the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, salvation is of God, so is assurance, all aspects of it. And so objectively, it's based on the foundation is the fact that Jesus Christ redeemed me and said, it is finished. But I know I'm a child of God. My assurance, it comes home to my heart, the subjective side of it, as the Holy Spirit works in my life. You see, He is the great teacher. He is the great comforter. And don't separate those. Uh, God doesn't. God's Spirit is called the teacher, the comforter, the helper. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Assurance from the Spirit. And we invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Romans 8. It's a tremendous chapter, and I hope you're spending time in it and uh, enjoying it. The chapter that uh, speaks of our great security in Christ. The chapter that could be called the chapter of the Spirit. We can scarcely uh, overstate the role of the Holy Spirit in our Christian lives. I mean, from beginning to end, from birth, even before birth, it was the Holy Spirit who convicted you and me as sinners of our sin. He, Jesus said, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. By the way, it's John 16, verse 8. Uh, the only time I know of in all the Scripture where we're told just what it is the Holy Spirit will convict the world of. And you look back and the Holy Spirit convicted you of your need for Christ by convicting you of sin, the righteousness that Jesus Christ displayed when he rose from the dead, and the judgment that fell at the cross and will fall on those who spurn Jesus Christ. Uh, he convicted us. He caused us to be born we are born of the Spirit. We grow in the Spirit. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He's our comforter. He's the one who not only wrote the Scripture, but illuminates it. And as, so as we open the book, it becomes uh, real and understandable. to That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, when you get to uh, the end of the line, from birth... Not to death, that's really not uh, where we end, do we? Because we have life, eternal life in Christ. So you move from birth to resurrection. And verse 11 of chapter 8 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. He is the author and the sustainer of life. As I say, you really can't overstate his role in our Christian life. Now, uh, I want to reread this passage that we're looking at, verse 14 and following. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. 
For you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We have a new way of life, verse 14. We are led by the Spirit. We have new access to God Almighty. We can say, Abba, Father. We have new assurance, verse 16. And of course, uh, and we won't get to it, but it really is the natural beginning to where we'll pick it up next time, verse 17. We have a new inheritance. I mean, if we're children, we are also heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Uh, So we want to take a second look at this tremendously... uh, impacting paragraph. I mean, when you really get a hold of this, or if it gets a hold of you and me, changes the way we think and the way we operate and the way we uh, live, just the, our whole attitude toward things. So I want to take just a quick second look at it, and particularly emphasizing the assurance that we have and the, uh, the basis for that. Uh, so God, verse 14, God the Spirit leads His children. Or you can turn that around. God's children follow God's Son. And those who follow Christ are led by His Spirit. Uh, When the Holy Spirit leads you, He leads you to follow Jesus Christ. You're not following Christ? Don't come tell me you're being led by the Spirit. Oh, the Spirit led me to do this. A lot of nonsense is said and uh, blamed on (laughs) the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And I'm confident it does when we throw His name into our folly. Uh, No, if He's leading you, then you're following Christ. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And those children of God are those sheep of the Good Shepherd are being led, verse 14, by the Spirit of God. For you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. This isn't a bondage kind of a thing where we're just trying our best to keep our nose clean so that we might not get wrapped or something. No, it's not in fear and slavery, but rather a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now you talk about access. Yes, God is Almighty. Yes, He's the Creator. And yes, there are times when it's very good, in fact, regularly, daily, for us to stop and rehearse a little of that. I'm not just coming into my Father's presence. I'm coming into the Most High, His presence, the Holy, Holy, Holy One, the Almighty, the Creator, the Sustainer of the universe, the sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. But I am coming into my Father's presence. And I can say, and you can say too, Abba, Father. What a tremendously uh, freeing thing. To think of Him as Father speaks of love, care, compassion. As a father has compassion on his children so great, is His love toward those who fear Him. The 103rd Psalm says, 
Just like, and you say, well, my father, I had a crummy earthly father. Well, to one degree or another, we all have to kind of adjust what we know about, you know, God when we try to project our earthly fathers on our heavenly father. But whether you had a good one, and I praise God if you did, thank the Lord for a a good earthly father, whether you had a scoundrel, we can all picture what it's like to have a father who really cares for us, who loves us. And those of you fortunate enough, blessed enough by God to have an earthly father that took care of you, why the, Jesus said, listen, if, you're, if you guys, as you earthly fathers, know how to give good gifts to you, being sinners, just think what your heavenly father will do for you. And uh, in every aspect, we can remember that. He is a compassionate father. To us. You see, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is a spirit not of bondage, but of adoption. Now, verse 15 says, This access is for all who are born of the Spirit. All children of God have this kind of access. Why then, when we emphasize that we're born of the Spirit, we become a child of God by birth? We're born into His family. We say, Abba, Father. Why does He use this term adoption? I mean, normally we would think if you're born, you don't need to be adopted. And we would almost contrast the, the uh, birth versus the adopted. But uh, the scripture reunites them and adds power and blessing to our status as believers. All who are born into God's family are also adopted. And all who are adopted are you might say. He unites these two concepts right here, and it's a beautiful expression of God's love and God's grace. You see, whatever the adoption customs, and you can go back in and read some interesting things about the Roman adoption customs of Paul's day, but very similar to ours, really. Basically, it boils down to parents lovingly and graciously choosing to bestow on one who had no family rights prior to this, they choose to give the child all the rights and privileges of being theirs, of being in their family. And that's a great picture of what God has done for us. We're not only born, and if the new birth speaks of uh, babehood, and it does, and if the new birth draws an analogy that reminds us that we're babes and we need to like newborn babes, grow and long for the pure miracle of the word and by it grow and there's that maturing process that takes place and the birth and growth of the believer, uh, the Bible uses that analogy regularly. The, the passage I'm thinking of is First Peter 1 where he says we've been born again and now like newborn babes, chapter 2 says we're to long for the pure milk of the word that by it we might grow in respect to our salvation. If that is all pictured in the birth analogy, why adoption comes alongside it and says, yes, but you have full adult-like rights and privileges right now. You don't have to come with a spirit of fear or slavery, but rather the spirit of adoption where the Father has chosen gladly to call you into His family and give you full privilege. Turn over to uh, Galatians 4. Look at Galatians chapter 4. What I'm after here is uh, some of the riches of this term adoption. 
I, uh, one of the guys that was being baptized last, uh, last week, he, he said, I, I, want, I want to share everything in Romans 3, Scott. I said, well, don't do that. I'm, I'm the one that preaches. <laughs> but he said, I want to share about just the justification, the redemption. And he threw out some of those words, you know, and I said, just say what you just said. Just say it with that kind of joy and you'll get the point across. You leave the preaching to me. And, uh, you know, but these words that, you know, when you, when you know Christ, these words become so much more than just definitions in a book. So regeneration, to be born, speaks of relationship. Justification speaks of our legal standing. We've been declared righteous by the judge. Sanctification speaks of our state, and we are actually being transformed and changed. But adoption speaks of our position. We are in the family with full rights and privileges. Watch Galatians 4 unfold it. Paul has got a parallel uh, text here. Sometimes Galatians is called the many Romans. Uh, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he doesn't differ at all from a slave, although he's owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. Some kid is born into a family. He's the heir of the estate. But when he's a youngster... He doesn't differ at all really from a slave. In fact, he might have a slave or a hired hand over him as a guardian or a manager. And he's not able to, he, you wouldn't give him, you say, you wait till you're 21, you know. And he's not given uh, full privilege, you might say. So also while we were children, verse 3, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Now what's he speaking about? Well, we're picking it up in the middle of Galatians and he's pointing out how in the Old Testament... Uh, under the law, people were not experiencing the full privileges. Now, in one sense, this applies to those who were misusing the law, and it still applies today to those who do not know Christ, who are seeking to use the law like many Old Testament Jews sought to, to earn favor with God. And in that sense, they're in bondage. But in another sense, he's speaking even of Israel in the Old Testament, covenant before the cross they were looking ahead like a like a minor youth would there was promise the messiah is coming but they didn't have the full orb privileges that we have in christ and he says when the fullness of the time came verse four god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law in order that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, now that Christ has come, and notice, look at verse uh, 4 and verse 6. And look at that little phrase, sent forth. Very parallel to Romans 8. God sent his son to die. He sent his spirit to live. He sent forth his son to redeem us. He sent forth his spirit to live within us. And we now, on this side of Pentecost, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, he said in Romans 8. In John 14, he put it this way. I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to give you another comforter, whom the world doesn't know and can't receive. He said, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. 
It's to your advantage that I go away, he said in chapter 16. Because this one who abode with them will be in them. And John 7, uh, the scripture clearly says, the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But when Jesus was glorified into heaven, he said, you wait here in town until you're clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit came at the day of Pentecost. And from then on, now that the fullness of time has come and now that we're on this side of the cross, Galatians 4, 4, now, verse 5 and 6 We've been redeemed. We have the status of adopted sons. We have full 21-year-old privileges, if you want to use it in the way we might think of it. You just came to Christ. You have just as much access. You have the exact same privilege. You're on equal footing with every other member of the family of God. The oldest, most mature Christian has no more call on God than you do. Isn't that something? This doesn't doesn't negate the need for growth in our life, the need for maturity, and the privileges of growth and maturity. But what it states is that we have, our footing is absolutely equal with anyone else who's in Christ. You say, I'm just a new Christian, I don't understand much. Listen, you have been adopted into God's family and you have full rights and privileges. It doesn't depend on you, it depends on Him. We, our footing is of God. It's by grace. It's in Christ. And hence, it is complete. Oh, kind of linger over that thought. Adoption. It's like it... Uh, adds an exclamation point to the new birth and what it means to be a child of God. You know, our salvation, don't get over this, all of it is of God. And it's interesting, turn over to Ephesians 1 while you're there, right there at Galatians, turn back a couple pages to Ephesians 1. It's interesting, before I leave this thought on adoption, let me just uh, point out that this isn't some afterthought. You know, we tend to talk about the new birth, but... uh, This is part of God's plan. Those who would be born would be adopted. They'd have full privilege. And God planned this from all eternity. I mean, listen to Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Little child is adopted and really never maybe understands the marvel of it because he never knew he was adopted at birth and he never knew anything but mom and dad. And so very little difference in his mind perhaps between the one born. But uh, think of the one who's adopted after letting his life develop. And let's say he was uh, a rebel, which we were, And picture the young man or the young woman who has done 
nothing to deserve any grace. And the loving couple says, we want you to be our child. We willingly choose you. Scripture says that God chose us to adopt us as sons before the foundation of the world. And he knew what he was getting. Sinners like us. Marvel at it. And, you know, that's eternity past. Adoption, salvation is all of God. And even this term adoption, in the past, God chose to adopt me. My experience of it is at conversion. When I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I can say, Abba, Father, because the spirit of adoption has come within me. And yet there's still that future aspect also. Uh, Look over back at Romans 8 now. He's not done commenting on this, and we'll get to it again down in verse 23. When he's saying the whole creation is groaning, awaiting the return of Christ, and when he sets things right. And not only this, verse 23, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. There's a sense in which uh, God has given me full privilege in his family. I'm adopted, but I'm still waiting for that day when he finishes the work and I get a new body. Who will set me free from the body of this sin? O wretched man that I am, Paul cries out. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a deliverer, Jesus Christ. And chapter 8 unfolds the whole picture. And not only were we given the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, so that we have these privileges, but there's coming a day soon when the adoption will be complete, you might say, verse 23, and we're going to get new bodies, and we'll have bodies just like His. There won't even be that propensity to sin. We will be like him. It's amazing to think about adoption. And, of course, it closely ties to the new assurance that we have. Verse 16. You have new way of life, 14. New access, 15. And the new assurance, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, salvation is of God. So is assurance. All aspects of it. Uh, Objectively, assurance is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. But subjectively, in other words, in my experience, subjectively, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. And so objectively, it's based on the foundation is the fact that Jesus Christ redeemed me and said, it is finished. But I know I'm a child of God. My assurance, it comes home to my heart, the subjective side of it, as the Holy Spirit works in my life. You see, He is the great teacher. He is the great comforter. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Assurance from the Spirit, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. We're thankful that you've chosen to listen to us on this station, and we invite you to downtownbible.org to download or listen to any past program or to subscribe to our daily podcast. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Who said that? Well, Jesus Christ spoke those words. Who wrote it down? Well, the Apostle John. But who inspired it? The Holy Spirit. And who opens it up to my heart? And who opens my heart up to the truth of it? The Holy Spirit. That's who. He bears witness with our spirit. And I can't explain it, and neither can you. But the Holy Spirit takes God's truth and opens our eyes to it. He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. People hear that and hear that and hear that and one day they hear it. And then as Christians, they grow in their appreciation of it. And our assurance is from the Holy Spirit. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott begins part two of the message titled, Assurance from the Spirit. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.